Well, this morning, as we look to the Word of God, and as you were reading this week, and I read it along with you on our chapter a day, we came upon a parable in the 20th chapter of Matthew. And as I was reading, I said, you know, I don't think we teach on this often enough, probably. But as I was looking at this, it just jumped out to me how much this particular chapter had, or this particular parable, had to do with light and faithfulness. So we're going to bring that in here this morning and talk about light a little bit more as we talk about faithfulness in the 20th chapter of Matthew. Now last week we were looking at our three light sources, the sun, the lamp, and the flashlight or what we were using as as our uh, natural ones. The sun, of course, being those words that God gives to the church in in general or that God speaks and is a light unto all those who will Listen, but those, those lights come as, as He wills. But we have the lamp. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. His word is a lamp for us and lights all of our way. And it actually lights the way of, of many people at the same time. But then there's also the flashlight. And that's when the Spirit of God speaks some things to you directly. Gives you light. Gives you understanding on your way and where you're going. We looked at Jeroboam and how God had given him light in his life. And he decided to go against it and to go in a different direction because some, something had whispered a new light to him. God said, if you serve me all your days, I'll make you an enduring house just like I did for David. But no, he didn't do that. He went away from God and did his own way and his house was not enduring. But before we get over to the 20th chapter of Matthew, I just wanted to read to you a little bit from chapter 19 because Really, chapter 19 is the basis for chapter 20. So we're going to pick up here at verse 23 in chapter 19. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people take from this that if you have money, you can't get in the kingdom of God. You have to get rid of all your money. And that's not what he said. But that's what the disciples heard. And that's what many people today have heard. Look at verse 24. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now I'm not here to teach on Matthew 19 today. You could go into this and look at the eye of the needle. This is the name of a particular gate. And you can look at the trace of that gate and what they had to do to get the camel to get through there. Or you could say the camel through the actual eye of a needle. And you can go through all this. Whatever it is, here just, just take it this way. It's Whatever he's saying, it's pretty difficult. He's he's talking about something that's pretty difficult to do because he started this off and said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So if you're going to be rich, you ought to be a woman. (laughs) It doesn't say it's hard for a rich woman to get into heaven. It just says it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven, right? (laughs) Ah, well. But look at this next verse. When his disciples heard it, They were greatly astonished. Now, in the Greek, it says exactly this. They were greatly astonished. Now, I could give you a little bit more elaborate definition than that, but there's really no need to. There are two words in the Greek that are used, one meaning great and the other one meaning astonished. What he's trying to say is they were not just astonished, they were greatly astonished. Now, how many of you have ever been astonished at something? I mean, it just, oh, that's, that's something. But to be greatly astonished means it, 
it hits home a little bit more. And, and, and that's, um, that's difficult. When, when something is greatly astonished to you, it's because that could happen to me, right? If you were astonished at an accident at an intersection, oh, that was a terrible accident. But if you found out that accident was at an intersection right before you got there or right after you got there, now you are greatly, wait a minute, I was almost, I was there. You see, there's, there's a difference between being astonished and being greatly astonished. Now, Facebook is a good source for all kinds of pictures and all kinds of things. How many people have been astonished at some of the things that you have found on the pictures? I saw one that was just posted yesterday. You would never have seen this because it's put on one of those running form formats. Uh, you know, and if you don't run, there's absolutely no reason for you to, to uh, subscribe to these or to, to look at them. But, you know, I, I, I like to look at this. And so this person, person put this picture up on, on there and said, when you're running on a trail, all sticks look like snakes. And all snakes are snakes. And it has a picture. And that's all. And it has the picture. And so I'm looking at the picture. All I see is leaves and sticks. That's it. I don't see anything else. I'm looking at that picture. I said, there's got to be something in this picture, right? Can't find a thing. And so I go down the comments and I'm looking at it and there's a couple of them. Oh yeah, I see it. Oh, I think that's a copperhead because of the diamonds and the, the, the things that are on. I said, this is not good. I need to be able to see the snake. <laughs> I looked that a little bit closer. I was magnifying the picture and making it bigger because I could not see the snake. I still cannot see the snake. I have looked at that and looked at that and looked at that. And one after another, there was about 600 comments on this thing. And a number of them would say, oh, yeah, it took me a little while to find it, but I found it. And a couple of people were, were by camp. Man, I... That, that has me greatly astonished. And they kind of said something like that because I can't find the snake. If you can't find the snake in the picture, when you know that it's there, how are you going to find the snake when you're on the trail? So you see, it can get you greatly astonished because you can, we, can, um, we can find them. Uh, I don't like running into snakes in the, in the trail. I have run into a few snakes in the trail. Uh, I generally try to avoid them. Ms. Sharon would probably go after them. We've had that conversation before. But see, they were greatly astonished. Why would they be greatly astonished? How much money the disciples have? Well, most people want to say, you know, Jesus picked poor people. Apparently, Jesus did not pick poor people. He picked people that were rich. We know three guys had their own business. One guy was a tax collector. Most tax collectors in those days were rich. Apparently, they were not poor because, you see, if they were poor, they would be saying, yeah, that's right, them, them stinking rich people not getting into heaven. But you see, they, they were identifying with the people that Jesus is saying, it's tough for a rich man to get into heaven. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a minute. We, look what they go on to say here. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Wait a minute. If we have been following after you all this time and you're saying that rich people can't get into heaven, dear Lord, who can be saved? 
What's going on here? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Now they left all. They were in some places put it forsake. Uh, they didn't sell it. Jesus told the rich man to sell it, give it to the poor, so he didn't have any connection with it anymore. They still had connections to it. You see, because one of the things that they did, remember uh, when Jesus died, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Why? Because he still got his fishing business. He just uh, walked away from it for now. But there's people over there taking care of it, bringing in fish. So Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that in the, the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now you who have followed me, would Judas be one of those? Hmm. Well, he's one of the twelve, isn't he? <laughs> you see, there were more people who followed him than the twelve. There was actually quite a, quite a host of people that followed him. And uh, one of them was, was selected afterwards to, to take Judas' spot. But uh, he says, we've got, we got 12, 12 thrones waiting for you to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. Have you heard that verse before? Many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, say this word with me. Many. many. Is many all? No. In fact, if you were here on Wednesday, we did a study on the word many. And this particular word in this verse is exactly the word we were looking at. And it's one of six words translated many. This one means many. It doesn't mean all. It means many. If you weren't here on Wednesday, we got into a lot more than we're getting into it here now. But, uh, and it's up there online if you want to go listen to it. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I want, you, I want to read this for you out of the modern day translation called my version. How many of you have a, how many of you have a copy of my version? That's right. It's my version is how I read it. It's how I hear it. This is how most people read this. Those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first. And that would be an incorrect reading of that passage. Now, you have to understand this verse in order to understand Jesus' parable. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I said it was my version, because I still sometimes hear this, those that are first will be last and those that are last will be first. Because if you do not understand this exactly the way that it's said, you will come away with a wrong interpretation out of the next, next chapter. So, let's go on back here. Let's take a look at our, our chapter here. Now, I, I did bold this, this up here for you. In your, in your outline. And everyone who has left houses shall receive a hundredfold. Remember, it said that in the, in the word. Everyone. Is everyone many? No, everyone is close to all. Everyone 
who has left houses, fathers, sisters, all that sort of stuff, shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life, he said. Everyone who has left. But he says, but many, that's not everyone and it's not all, who are first will be last. Now that word first means foremost in time, place, order, or importance. Kind of like the same thing it means in English. It's, it's, it's first. It's foremost. And the word last means the, the farthest. The, uh, the final of place or time. Last. The end. The lowest. The utmost. So just what we have in the English is pretty much what we have in the Greek. First, prominent. Foremost. Last, at the end. That's what we have. In verse 1, he begins to answer the question that they had. Who then can be saved? Isn't that their question? Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter, enter heaven. And they asked the question. This is the question they asked. Jesus answers questions people ask. He doesn't answer questions they don't ask. He answers questions they ask. They said, who then can be saved? That is the question. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. How many remember this, this parable? It should have you just read it. You're not reading it? Start reading the Bible through. One chapter a day. You can do it. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. If you have a translation that says penny, it doesn't mean penny like we're thinking about. A denarius is a, uh, an average wage for a day's work. So he says they agreed to a day's, a day's wage, an average day's wage. I guess it's a good average day's wage. I don't, I don't know that it's a minimum wage or anything like that. It's just a, it's an average day's wage. And so he goes on out there to, to hire some people, find some people, and hires them, brings them in. Now, early in the morning, it's probably somewhere around 6 a.m. This is the landowner. He apparently has some money. He's a rich man. He's hiring people. And he's got land. That would make him rich, wouldn't it? At least he's got more money than, than other people does. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And so they go in. He comes out early in the morning. That's about 6 a.m. The, the Jewish people divided up their work day into about a 12-hour day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. They expected to work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 12 hours a day. The eight-hour work day was not part of their day. They expected to go for, for 12 hours. And so the, if you ever see first hour, second hour, third hour, all those sort of things, the, the first hour would have been completed by 7 a.m. So early in the morning, it's probably about 6 a.m., they had agreed on the wages. Now, this, I just put this in here because I just wanted you to, to, to see this. This is kind of a fun word. The word here for agreed, for agreed is the Greek word sumphaneo. Sumphaneo. What word do we get from this word? You can see that real easy, can't you? Symphony. When you hear a symphony, you're hearing everything playing in harmony. And that's what this word means, to be in harmony, to concur, to agree with. When the Bible is using this word and says they came into an agreement, 
they came to a place they were singing the same song. They were singing in the same tune. They agreed. They concurred. They were in harmony with one another. That a Daenerys would be what they would receive at the end of the day. When they came in early in the morning, they came in with the understanding we're working until 6 p.m. tonight. We're working for 12 hours. We're going to be working under the sun. We're going to be working under the, the, the heat. We're going, to, we're going to bear the brunt of that all day long. That's what we're going to be doing. And they said on the basis of that, knowing how long they were going to work, knowing what kind of day it was going to be, they, uh, they agreed to that. Now, if you were, if you were going to um, agree on a wage for a day, someone was going to hire you, and, this, and they were going to have you work outside, and the day was going to be 95 degrees with high humidity and bright sun. How many of you would need more money to work outside on that day than if it was going to be 68 degrees with a nice cooling breeze and only partially sunny? Would that affect you? <laughs> so some people think it would affect them. If it did affect them, they negotiated it into the price. Because they already know what kind of a day it's going to be. They were in agreement with this. And he went out about the third hour. So that's about nine. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Now, take a look. This is not in the passage, but this is kind of understood for this time of day. If you wanted to get a job, you showed up at the marketplace. It's the modern day Home Depot. How many have ever seen that happen? Over at the Home Depot, a bunch of people waiting around, they're looking to get hired. And so then people pull up and they say, hey, you're looking for a job? Yeah, I'm looking for a job. And so they hire them. It's kind of like the modern day Home Depot, except more people were there. And they'd all come on out. I'm looking for work there today. And so this first group that he got, these are the ambitious ones. These are the ones who got out there at 6 a.m. That means they were up probably around 5 a.m. in the morning get themselves ready and get themselves over to the marketplace. And so when this guy came on through, he saw this group and he hired the group that was there. It seems like he hired everybody that was there. He brought them all on over. And so when he left, there wasn't anybody else there. And so he goes over three hours later and finds some more people. Well, these are people who didn't get up at the crack of dawn. These are people who slept in a little bit. Came out a little bit later. Maybe they had to make the stop over at the Dunkin' Donuts. Get themselves some coffee, a couple of donuts. I don't know what it was, but for some reason they were not there at 6 a.m. And he came back to find some more workers. He needed more workers than he was able to get on the first trip. So he went back to see if anyone else had come in. And sure enough, some people did. And so about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. He didn't negotiate with them. They're lazy. <laughs> They're lazier than the other ones anyway. So at 9 a.m., he comes out to the marketplace and he finds a bunch of people and he hires them. But apparently, he needed more. Because it says he went out again in the sixth hour. So it's three hours again. Three hours later, on the sixth hour and the ninth hour. It seems like every three hours he's going out to see if anybody else gathers 
in there. So the, the third hour, about 9 a.m., the sixth hour, about noon. Noon. You're looking for work at noon. Half the day is gone. You're looking for work at noon. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, he's out there looking for more people. And he finds some more people. They obviously weren't there at noon. They didn't get there until afternoon. We don't know if they got there at one, two, whatever it was. But at three o'clock, he comes out and he finds some more. And he hires them. And he brings them on out. And he says, look, whatever it is fair, I'm going to give you what's fair. He only negotiated with the first group. The first group he negotiated and they said it in theirs. Second group, no negotiation. Come on out. They're looking for work. They're desperate for work, I guess. Maybe they don't want to go home to the wife and say, how come you didn't get work today? They don't want to say, well, I didn't get there at 6 a.m. Maybe they don't want to say that. So he went out the sixth hour. He went out the ninth, ninth hour and did the same. Now, there's, we're not given any reasons why they weren't there earlier. We're not given any reasons about their, or uh, any excuses about their laziness, nothing like that. But they're not in service for the kingdom. And if you're not in service for the kingdom, look what the parable says, you are idle. I don't care what you're doing, you're not working for the kingdom, you're idle. But he just says, whatever is right, I will give you. So there's a bit of a trust factor there with, it, with him. <clears throat> and about the 11th hour, now the workday ends at 6, so the 11th hour is 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock in the evening. If you are a landowner, are you going to go out at 5 o'clock in the evening and find workers? Apparently he did. He must have had a lot of work. Maybe it was harvest time and he needed to get everybody he could into the field to harvest all that he could. I don't know what it was, but he was, he was desperate for workers. He wanted workers and so he went out at the 11th hour, 5 o'clock. You come on out and work in the vineyard too. They're only going to be working for an hour. But look what he says to this group. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? Now, if they had been standing in the marketplace idle, don't you think he would have hired them? So they must have been standing idle someplace else, but then wandered over here Maybe they just wanted to say we were in the marketplace and no one hired us. But he says, they say, because no one hired us. And he doesn't argue this reason. He could be saying, look, I was here in the morning. I was here at the, the uh, third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour. I was here. And you all weren't. He didn't argue with them. But we can tell from the story that they were not there or they would have been hired. So, he tells them, you go out there and you work too. So, uh, verse 8, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Now see, this is what throws us off on this is this is the same terminology we just had. Start with the last to the first. Of all the people he put in the vineyard, who worked the hardest? The first group. Who worked the least? The last group. 
of all the people in this, who are the faithful ones? First group would seem to be the faithful ones. They're there looking for work at 6 a.m. These last guys, he even exhorted them. Why have you been idle all day? Go in the vineyard. Get some work done. But when he calls the steward, now the, the, the owner is not giving out the money. He has the steward do it. And he calls the steward. He says, look, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to start with that group that we hired last. And when those who came, well, it's, uh, when those who came who were hired at the 11th hour, they each received a Daenerys. They did not agree on a, on a wage, did they? He said, I'll pay you what, what's fair. I'll pay you what's right. And he gave them a full Daenerys. And so apparently he did that with all the other groups too. These guys worked one hour, they got a Daenerys. These guys worked a few more hours, they got a Daenerys. These guys worked a few more hours than that, they got a Daenerys. And he went all the way on down. Now, now what is the purpose of the landowner starting with the last group? Now think about this. If you are the landowner and you've got guys who have been working for you all day. They have been here in the sun all day. They've been away from their families and away from their homes and away from their lives all day. What group would you want to get out and get home first? I'd want to get the first group out. These guys harvested more stuff for me, did more things for me. I'd want to get them out first. So what is the purpose in this story of the landowner saying, bring the 11th hour group up first. Start with them and then work your way back until you get to the first group that we had. What's his purpose for that? There can only be one purpose. There can only be one possible purpose for this. Because he wants the first group to know how much he paid all the others. There's no other reason for it. He wants them to know. <laughs> Why does he want them to know? If he would have brought them up first and gave them all denarius like they agreed and sent them home, he could have given the rest of them any amount of money he wanted. And they wouldn't have known unless they talked about it in the marketplace. This landowner set them up. <laughs> he agreed to a wage and then determined himself, I'm going to pay them all the same. No matter when they came to work for me. All right. So now that we determined this is his plan, why did he do it? Come on, you can figure this one out. Have you ever had a group of people and you know they got something going on, on the inside and you just want to expose it. You just want to bring it out. It's, I know. You ever had somebody at work and they, um, they don't do things right? And you just want people to find out about it. Right? So-and-so is always at work late. So you set it up 
the, the day before and you ask your boss, can you come meet me at the loading docks at 7 a.m.? Because uh, something's coming in and I need your help. And you don't need his help at all. The whole purpose for it is you want the boss to see so-and-so coming in late. But you don't want to title on him. You don't want to squeal. You want them to be able to see it. Now, before we go on this story, who are the laborers? It'd be us. We're the laborers. If we are the laborers, who's the boss? <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like, hmm, it's the man who runs the kingdom. He's the boss. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? All right, remember the, remember the question. Who then can be saved? And you remember Jesus' statement. Many who are last will be made first. And many who are first will be made last. That's his statement. Now, we've understood that statement in a certain way that we begin to think that whoever was last we brought to the front of the line. And whoever was first we pushed to the back of the line. And that's not at all what he said. And that's not at all what the meaning of this parable is. Remember, he did not say all that are first we may last. He said many. Let's go on with this. When they came to those who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And likewise, received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> People complaining. Now look at that word there. They supposed. They supposed that they would receive more. Why did they suppose? Well, if he gave a Daenerys to them, surely things have changed. Something changed. And we should be getting more. In fact, when they saw the first group coming through that had worked one hour and they saw them get a Daenerys, what do you think they're saying? <gasps> this is great. The wage went up. And they supposed that they would receive more. And then they saw the second group and they got a Daenerys too and the third group and they got a Daenerys too and they got all the way down to them and said, we're going to get more. Oh, this is so great. I thought we were only going to get a Daenerys. We're probably getting at least two. And they get on up there and they're ready to receive their Daenerys plus. Because in the time that they went from after their work and after their work and when they finished working, when they clocked out, when they did the last bit of work in the field, 
What are they expecting to receive? A Daenerys. They didn't think about this all day long. All day long, they're thinking in the field, we work all day, we're going to get a Daenerys. I work all day, I'm going to get a Daenerys. This is what we're going to get. I'm working hard, I'm going to get that Daenerys. And he finds somebody else comes on in and they start working. Hey, where'd you come from? Oh, he just hired me. I was down there. What's he going to pay you? He, he didn't say. He just said, uh, well, pay us what's fair. Okay. That's all right. We, we're all right with that. He told us he's going to pay us at the nurse. Because we were here 6 a.m. I mean, when you're working side by side with people, you've got to be talking about stuff, right? They're probably talking. So they still expect, all the way up until the end of the day, they're expecting to receive a Daenerys. But then when they saw the first group get a Daenerys, <gasps> I'm sure their first thought is not, oh, that's not fair. That's not their first thought. Their first thought is, things have changed. And the Word of God puts it this way. They supposed that they would receive more. Because the first group got a Daenerys. We worked the whole day. So after they saw that first group work one hour, one hour, one stinking hour, and they got a whole Daenerys. They're thinking, we should get something more. I know we agreed to this, but now all of a sudden they're not in agreement. Now, one thing that the story does not tell us is that the landowner ever came out and reaffirmed with them, you'll get a Daenerys. It was said, said one time. One time, we, we bartered, came into an agreement, this is what you're going to receive. And he never came back out and said anything more about it. And that was it. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. Think about this. They came in there excited because they got a job. They came in there excited because they were, were glad for the wage they were going to get. All day long, they're excited about the wage they're going to get. And then all of a sudden, that which they were excited for the entire day is no longer, no longer exciting them. We were excited. And it all comes down to this one word. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. That word there for suppose means to consider, to suppose, to think. If you want a fun word study, and I was going to do a little bit with you here today, but went against it. You can look that word up. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we showed you how to do it. You can look that word up and find this word in about a dozen or more other verses. And it's kind of interesting to see how this word is used to give you an idea of, uh, of consider. Suppose. I believe, if, if I remember right from, uh, from reading it before, when he says, consider the lilies. That's our word. You see, what it is, is to go out there and to take things in, ponder them, and then come out with a meeting. So they took things in. What did they take in? He paid them the same amount he promised us. And they came out with a meeting. Meeting was, we're going to get some more. We're going to, we're going to get more. And when they didn't receive it, 
they complained against the landowner. Now, who did they complain to? Probably complained among themselves. They probably, you know, the first guy probably went up there and he got a Daenerys and he looked at that. He went, he went back. He said, "Guys, I got a Daenerys. That doesn't seem right. Let me see what I get." Came the next guy went there and got a Daenerys too. And he came on back and I got one too. Guys, we're getting the same amount of money that the guy who worked for an hour. They start complaining amongst themselves. I can prove that to you. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And they likewise received each a Daenerys. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. And when they had received... I'm sorry, that, uh, verse 12. Saying, These men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Now look at, the, look at this verse. And when they had received it, they is plural, it is singular. When they had received their single Daenerys, they complained against the landowner. So this is the, the group. Saying... This is what they said. This is what they said. These last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. So they came amongst themselves and they said this to themselves and they complained as a group, to the group. It's really easy to complain in the group. But look at this next verse. Remember, Jesus made up this story. It's exactly the way he wants it to be. But he, speaking of the landowner, answered one of them. Now, why is it that it says they complained and they said this and then all of a sudden now we're down to one? Can you see that it drastically changed right there? We went from they, they to one. He answered one of them. Why is he only answering one of them? If they are complaining, why is he only answering one? It's real easy. They all came together and they complained. Why are we only getting one Daenerys? This isn't right. And they began to complain amongst each other and they got fired up and then all of a sudden one of them came out of the group and turned over to the landowner and said, Hey, you have made them equal to us. And so he answered, one of them, because only one of them had the guts to ask him the question. But all of them thought it. He answered one of them. This is how it happens with people. We all get together and we complain. And we get fired up. Get mad. Why is it going on this way? Why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. And then somebody gets fired up and then they go out and they, they open their mouth. That was this person. He answered one of them. We don't know who he was. Apparently, it's not important. Friend? <laughs> How many think he's a friend? I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? Hmm. Didn't I do exactly what I said I would do? I said I would give you a Daenerys. Did I not give you a Daenerys? 
I didn't do you any wrong. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. Verse 14. Take what is yours and go your way. It says he earned it. Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Tell you what, he says a whole lot in that little little sentence right there. Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. That's what I want to do. I said I would give you a Daenerys. I gave you a Daenerys. I just happen to want to give to this one a Daenerys too. Gave them all the same thing. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Now we have the same attitude that goes on here today because people want to tell you what you should do with your stuff. Remember Judas? Why was this not sold? Money given to the poor? Yeah, he wanted to tell her what she should do with her stuff. He's got no right telling her what to do with her stuff. It's her stuff. Other Christians, other people, they don't have the right to tell you what you should do with your stuff. If it's your stuff, do what you want. But you see, when you get in to the darkness instead of the light, then you want to start telling other people what they should do with their stuff. How many of these politicians are out there telling us how we should be treating the poor and doing things for the poor and, and being charitable and all that? And I've seen some of the reports on some of them and they give nothing. Nothing. Nothing to charity. Nothing to the poor. Nothing. They'll give your money away, but they won't give any of theirs. That's kind of That's kind of rude. No, if you want to, if you want to do stuff, do it with your money. Take your money and do something with it. If you're concerned about the poor, don't be going over here and taking my money with taxes so you can give it to the poor. Take your money and give it to the poor. I mean, shouldn't you do that? It's a way of the, it's a way of Satan, folks. He likes to tell other people what to do with their stuff. Now, Jesus, in the chapter before this, did not the rich young, rich young ruler come up to him and say, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus told him what to do with his stuff. Did he do that? Yeah, he didn't make them. The man came to him and says, what must I do to be saved? He says, well, obey the commandments. I've done these since my youth. He says, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Sell what you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. You see, the man was asking what he could do. The man was asking for... He, Jesus wasn't just going to him and saying, hey, get rid of all that stuff. Remember when Jesus came into Zacchaeus' house? Comes to Zacchaeus, remember Sunday school stories. Climbing up the tree, he's up in the tree. Jesus stops at the tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Let's go. I expect some food. Get over there and make it. <laughs> so Jesus gets on over there. And they're having a good old time and we don't know what conversation went on. But all of a sudden, he gets up in the middle of the meal and he says, that's it. If I've stolen any money from people, I'm going to repay it. I'm not going to collect what I shouldn't collect anymore. 
And he made the change. Jesus didn't go over there and saying, hey, you need to do this. You need to quit this stuff. He didn't do that. He didn't tell them what you should do. People are always out there trying to tell you what to do with your stuff. We don't have the right to do that. If people want to come and ask you, what should I do? You can give them, well, this is what the Bible says. This is what I would do. You can give them that. But um, I'm not going to go around and tell everybody, you know, Matt should really sell that Mustang. I mean, he shouldn't be having a car like a Mustang. He should be out there getting a little little Prius and driving that sucker around. <laughs> they, they want to go around. They, they want to tell you what to do. We got people all the time. Some people want to tell you, don't eat any more meat. I'm going to eat all the meat I want to. If you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. It's more for me. I heard somebody put up a little comical thing. It said, uh, I... I I um, I killed a cow because it was eating your food. Get them uh, veg- vegetable people. Killed a cow because it was out there eating your food. Didn't want it to be eating your food, so I killed it. Ate it too, but you know. <laughs> no, we don't need to be doing that. If you want to be a vegeta- vegetable person, great, be one. Enjoy. Have fun. If you want to eat just chicken, great. Just eat chicken. Don't matter to me. Go out there and be, uh, be, eat all the chickens that you want to. If you want to eat beef, go ahead out there. Eat all the beef you want to. It's fine. We're not here to be telling you what to do. Now, somebody may say, uh, you may, ha- may be having some dietary issues, and someone may say, well, you might want to stay away from these particular foods, but they're not forcing you to do it. And then you can decide on yourself whether you want to do it or not. And if you do it and it helps you, good. If you do it and it doesn't help you, then go back and eat the, the cows and the chickens. Whatever it is you want to do. But see, this is part of Satan's kingdom. He likes to make people do certain things. We were talking about that in the Wednesday night service. If you weren't here for that, we looked at the word many. Because a trait of the Satan's kingdom is he wants everything the same. That's why he promotes socialism, communism, and all these kind of isms. Because he wants everything the same. That's of the devil. God is not about everything being the same. God is about variety. God is about diversity. Just look at the way he made people. Just look at the way he did things. He wants diversity. He likes diversity. Don't Stop trying to make other Christians like you. That's just letting the Satan's kingdom get into the kingdom of God. Don't be doing it. There's a lot more you could say on that, but we're not going to do that here. If you were interested in that, go back up there and get the Wednesday one. Because it's important for you to, to know. But let's take a look at this again. Where we leave off. Verse 15. Take what is yours and go your way. That doesn't sound too... doesn't sound like he wants to bring them back. You think he's going to hire them the next day? I wish to give this last man the same as to you. That's my desire. I desire to give him the same amount as I, I give you. It's not, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So this is what happens, folks. Some people would get into an eye that is evil because of the good that is around us. Because of the good that other people are doing. And we get mad. Maybe we want that good to be done to me. For some reason, we're not, not happy. Remember a verse of Scripture we read for you before. Uh, last week, I believe it was, Matthew six twenty two. The lamp of the body is the eye. There, 
If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You have to make sure that the light that comes into you is true light. If you are getting a light in you that that demands sameness, that is a wrong light. That's, that's, That's not God's light. If you want a light that comes in you that will tell you how other people should handle their stuff. Well, I think you ought to give this much money here and this much money here and, and you ought to quit doing this. That's not right. That's not God's light. I have to make sure that the, the lamp, the light that is in me is good. And he said right there in this one, Is your eye evil because I am good? You see, a trait of unfaithful people is their great concern over what others are doing with their own stuff. If you ever have an overwhelming concern about what other people are doing with their things, you are probably unfaithful. You see, unfaithful Unfaithful people get very concerned about the faithfulness of others. About the diligence of other people. About the stewardship of other people. But the Word of God says, you know what? Take care of the log in your own eye before you go out there and start taking care of what other people are doing. Don't be messing with that. I got enough to take care of with myself. Now, you take care of the log in your own eye, you can go out there and you can see more clearly to help the other folks, but you're going to do it with a better attitude. You're going to do it without this, this, uh, this part here. You see, what this landowner saw inside of these workers as they were working was he saw something in them that was unfaithful. He saw, he heard their conversation. He saw something in them that showed him they are not Faithful people. What can I do to help these people see that they need to fix themselves in this area? And so he went out and he found some more workers. And then he went some more workers. And then he found some more workers. In fact, he went out with one group that had only been there an hour. And he determined, I'm going to pay them exactly the same amount because my concern is this first group over here. They think they are so faithful. They think they are so good they are not. You see, because remember the statement that Jesus made? Many who are first will be last. He's not talking about their place in line. That first group that came in there, this is the group that whenever churches open, they're there. Whenever something needs to be done, they are there. They are there all the time. But you see, sometimes those people, not always, won't be looking at all the people who get here early. <laughs> but sometimes, some of those people who are at church as soon as it opens, who will do everything that they can, inside, they're dealing with unfaithfulness because they are faithful to themselves. They are not faithful to God. This landowner happened to see something in the first couple of hours of these guys working 
And he says, we got to take care of this. And he intentionally set this up so that these guys who were there at the crack of dawn, who worked the entire day under the hot sun, who put great effort out into his land, whatever it was they were growing, great effort out. He did a, quite a job making sure that they saw I gave you exactly what I said I would. But I gave it to them too. And he knew it would rise up and it did to every single one of them. They all rose up and said, what? What an injustice. How could you do that? How could you treat them the same way? And what God is saying here in this particular parable, remember the question? Who then can be saved? And his, question, his answer was, those who left fathers and mothers, houses, so forth, for the kingdom, they're going to get a hundredfold. For the kingdom, but you see, not everybody leaves it for the kingdom. Some people have left fathers and mothers and houses and cars and whatever else that they've left, but they did it so that they would be seen as someone important in the body of Christ. They did it so that they would be seen as prominent. They did it so that people would see them. Oh, if you want to see a Christian, brother so-and-so, wow, I mean, they are there every time the door opens. If you need something done, just ask them. They are the one. Oh, man, they must be so saved. And God is saying, what people see as being the greatest and the most prominent I see as being least. And some of those ones that you see as being least, I see as the greatest and most prominent. He's not looking at the order in line. He's looking at the prominence in the kingdom. And he said, there are many people who think they are prominent, but they're nothing. And in Jesus' day, these people had a title. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, lawyers. And there were others as well. And he would talk about them. You have your phylacteries and you do these, all these things so that you be seen of men. You fast and make sure that people know about it. You pray and make sure that everybody sees that you are praying. And we do all this stuff for display so that people will see. Look at who I am. And what he is saying here is this. I know how to expose you. I know how to bring out what is on the inside that you try and keep covered up. But just know this. Though you see yourself as being prominent, I see you as being last. And though you see some of these 11th hour people as being least, their attitude far surpassed yours. When that first group came up, they had worked an hour and they came up to receive whatever it was that was fair and they came and they put a Daenerys in their hand. What do you think they reacted? How do you think they reacted? Thank you. That is so kind of you. Oh, if you need workers tomorrow, I can be here early. 
I'll be here. You just tell me when you need me, and I'll be here. Thank you. Gratitude. And then when the last group came up and they received their Daenerys, was it gratitude? Uh-uh. See, one of the traits that Jesus gives about the end times is that people will not be very grateful, not be very thankful. And if we let that attitude get into us, we're going to take our prominent position and move ourselves right on down to the last. Now certainly this is about being saved. The Daenerys probably represents salvation. And no matter what it is you did, whether you got in on the 11th hour or you got in at 6 a.m., you still get to be saved. <laughs> You're just as saved as the other one. If you got saved on a deathbed, you got just as saved as a person who served God 50, 60, 70 years. You're just as saved. Now there's some other things that come into play that would change that, uh, that, that part of being equal. But as far as salvation is concerned, you are either saved or you're not. That's it. You're not more saved or less saved. You either are or you are not. One way or the other. So who are the most faithful workers? The ones who are grateful. The least, probably the first. Do you think the landowner is going to hire those first workers again? I don't know if I would. Verse 16, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. God has called many into the kingdom of God. But once they come into the kingdom of God, not all will be chosen. Not all will be selected for whatever it is that you can be selected for. And there's a number of things. You can be selected for callings and purpose and different things He wants to put on your life. But see, we can disqualify ourselves. I'm in the kingdom, but my attitude disqualified me. I can't be what God wants me to be because my attitude stinks. I look over here at this one, why do they have that? Maybe you've, ever, maybe you've said this before. You've been in the body of Christ serving God for 20 years. 20 years serving God. And somebody just got saved, came up to the front, got saved, and then God healed them. That ever make you mad? Wait a minute. Wait. You healed them? And they just got saved? I've been serving you for 20 years and I haven't been healed yet. Put yourself in the category of the first workers. See, don't be doing that. What we should do, somebody gets saved and healed on the same day, glory to God. Oh, that is so great. Thank the Lord. Man, they got... You see, otherwise it's exposing something on the inside of me. Many were called in Jesus' day, but only a few really walked in the way of the chosen. Judas was certainly one who was called. He didn't walk in that way. The rich young ruler, he was, uh, he was called. He said, come follow me. He doesn't give that call to everybody. Come follow me. And he didn't follow it. He didn't pursue it.
Now here's the part about the light. When he hired these people, here's the light he gave them. Work for me today and I will pay you a Daenerys. What, what, what light should they walk in? I'm going to get paid a Daenerys. That's my light. But you see what happened when other inputs came in? Not from the master. It came in from how he's seen things play out. And they decided, you know what? We should get paid more. We supposed that we should get paid more. And this is what happens with us, Christian. Christians, I sometimes suppose. So I call this, do you suppose? Have you ever supposed? God has said, do this. And I'm out there and I'm doing it. But then all of a sudden I see over here. Oh. And I begin to think. And I begin to consider. And then I begin to suppose. Well, I wonder, has God really said that? Maybe I'm not walking in the light that I need to walk in. Maybe I need to, to do this over here. I mean, you may be believing God for a health issue and God has, has told you, all right, eat this. Okay. And you go out there and you set out to eat those things that God told you in your spirit that you needed. Sometimes we'll do that because he knows what your body needs. And so he says, eat this particular thing. And so you go out there and you begin to eat that. And then all of a sudden, some brother or sister comes up and sits next to you. And you begin to relate to them what it is you're going through and what God has, has shared with you. And they say this to you. Maybe this has never happened to you, but maybe it has. They say this to you. I had that exact same condition. And this is what I did. And I got healed. Oh. Oh, well, maybe I should do, maybe I should do that. And you see, something else has come in and I supposed. Did God tell you to do that? Remember, remember our, our leprosy guy? Naaman, I'm ready to get healed. All right, go wash in the Jordan. What? See, I suppose that he would tell me to do this or do that, and I'd do it. But I suppose the rivers in my country are far better than the Jordan. That's muddy and gross. Why do I want to get in there? What you have to do is what God told you to do. Not what God told somebody else to do. What God told you to do. That's what you got to do. Because the power is in the obedience. Not in the thing that you're doing. Listen to what God said to do. Do it. Don't suppose. See, a faithful servant is concerned with the needs, the will, the desires of the master. Father, what do you want me to do? What do you desire that I do? Unfaithful people get concerned with their own needs. What I want to do. I want to be seen. I want to be prominent. I want people to appreciate. I want people to... This is what we do. That's an unfaithful person. Faithful person, when they see somebody else getting glory and credit for something, stands back and says, All right. It's good. Unfaithful people, I should be getting some of that glory. Why are they not telling people about what I did? See, it's the attitude. 
This story is all about faithful people and unfaithful people and about light and about darkness. God has given you light. Walk in that light. God has given other people light too. Don't walk in their light. Walk in your light. This is what God told you to do. Now you may hear that somebody else has done something and maybe you take it to God. God, should I do this too? God may say, nope. You may say, yep. But just stay doing what it is that God says to do. Don't go out there and walk in somebody else's light. Walk in your light. What has God told you to do? You see, you are responsible for doing what God has told you to do. That's your area of faithfulness. I can only be faithful with what God told me to do. I can't be faithful with what God, God told you to do. What he told me to do. And if he says, Steve, do this, then that's what I need to do. And if he told you to do this, then that's what you need to do. Be faithful in the light that you have. Walk in that light. God will give you light. He'll say, do this, and then other people are going to come along and they're going to try and clot it out. You're going to be like Adam and Eve in the garden. Has God really said? You'd be like Jeroboam. Has God really said? Obey his commands? If you obey his commands, all the people are going to go back down there and worship them. Don't do it. What has God said to you? That's what you do. That's what we need to do. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for the good things that you have done. I thank you for the, the glory that you would lead us into. And I thank you, Father, that you have counted us worthy to be in your kingdom. You came to the marketplace, you found us, and you brought us in. It's such a pleasure to work for your kingdom. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, I have not answered that call yet, I have not walked the direction that God has told me. I have not agreed to work in the field. I'm still idly by. If you want to receive Jesus Christ and become born again, you don't need to wait another day. It can happen right now. Raise your hand. We'll have someone who will pray for you. If you're here today and you know Sometimes those wrong attitudes are still inside of me. Sometimes I see myself in that first group getting upset at what other people receive instead of grateful that God gave me exactly what he said. Don't become ungrateful. Keep yourself in the place of being thankful and grateful for all that he does. Father, I thank you that our faithfulness will grow, our gratefulness will grow every single day. That you, if you see bad attitudes in us, you can work some things around to help expose it. Once exposed, you want us to deal with it and to fix it up. And I thank you for the people that are around us to help us with that. 
the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Brother Victor. Good morning. Uh, so happy to have us all in church today and for our brothers and our sisters that are joining us through Facebook, we are happy that you're partaking in um, the things that God is doing in the church and we want to thank God for his word this morning. As usual, he's always um, very direct and specific to us and I believe that God has ministered to you greatly. Um, in terms of the light you have and the light you should walk in. Hallelujah. We have um, a couple of uh, praise reports here. Uh, Jolie is thanking God for uh, the first in the nation interception of cocaine. Um, we had it over the news some weeks, some days back, that about uh, 16.5 tons of cocaine was intercepted where he is walking. And um, uh, this is a lost doing. And uh, it's marvelous in our sight. Hallelujah. That's what God has called us for, not to be light. Uh, for those of us that were here on Friday when he shared the testimony with us, um, God has kept us in our workplaces, in our schools as light. And let's always declare that light where we find ourselves. Amen. And Sister Ethel said, I'm thanking the Holy Spirit for his leading. Um, I was getting ready to... Um, send a text to my boss, a text, send a text to my boss that, uh, was wrong and the Holy Spirit told me to check before you no know, sending. So I did and I sent a different text, um, with the right information. The wrong information will have set off a whole lot of problems. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of knowing, you know, the Spirit of, um, that helps you to know what is good and what is not. And we thank God for this wonderful testimony. Amen. After church, we have something going on in the children's service, um, Daddy Dog's Day, a celebration of our Father's Day. So uh, for many of us that we want to stay behind and have fun together, let's do it. And let's remember this Friday, we have a family project, family art project. So um, if you're Paying ahead of time is $10, and if you're paying uh, in the gate, it will be about $12. You can meet Sister Alisa for more information. We want to remember our sister, uh, Randy. We heard she is in the hospital, but as of this morning, she's responding very fine to treatment. I'm able to eat very well, and... Um, um, probably she's watching us here. We want to confirm with her that the church is with her in the spirit. Uh, the word of the Lord has already spoken to us. Um, in Zion, they shall not say, I am sick. So, Sister Randy, know that the power of the Lord, the word that is inside of you is greater. You know, this morning while the worship was going on, so a word just came in my spirit. You no. Know? Almost every time we go to the hospital, they would test your blood pressure, sugar, and all of that. And the word was, how many times have they tested the greater one that is inside of you? You know, but there's something greater that is inside of you that cannot be measured. 
by the human instrument. Hallelujah. And we know about that. So whatever they show you, your test results and all of that, always tell yourself there is something greater that the human instruments cannot measure. Hallelujah. So let's have fun. Let's have a good time today as we go. Um, as we stay back to enjoy, let's have um, a good time together. May the Lord bless us even through the week. Amen.